Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. In our last podcast, I was talking about Roe v. Wade, the famous Supreme Court ruling in the United States that legalized abortion and made it a fundamental right uh, of American citizens. I overviewed, gave an overview of the history, uh, gave an overview of how pitiful the ruling was as a matter of law. And I want to continue that this on this podcast, talk to you a little bit about what it meant, talk to you a little bit about the likelihood of it being overturned now with the Kavanaugh nomination to the U.S. Supreme Court, and maybe tell you a little bit about my own story and why I care so much about abortion. I was saying last time that Roe v. Wade was just based on bad law. If you want to know a little bit more about the background of the law, you can go to last, uh, the last podcast that I did. But uh, Roe v. Wade was just bad law. Um, the court drew out of a fundamental right to privacy that exists regarding searches and seizures, illegal searches and seizures by the police, and turned that into a fundamental right uh, of a mother to determine literally the life and death of the child in the womb. Uh, Of course, traditionalists, uh, people of almost all religions, all major religions, uh, maintain that the child in the womb is a separate, a separate moral human being. So the, the court overturned a majority of American state laws, uh, which is fine. That's its job. Uh, but it, it ruled that the mother essentially controls what happens to that life in the womb, even to the point of terminating that life. I made the point that this is very much the same reasoning as was used to justify American slavery. Again, as I illustrated last time, If I was a slave owner in the South, uh, I was making the case that slaves are my property. I have a right to be left alone by the federal and state governments. I have a right of ownership. You can't take my property. You can't determine those things for me. That's part of my right to privacy. And of course, we decided that that was not true. That's what the Civil War was fought over. That's what the 13th and 14th Amendments were about. That's what the Emancipation Proclamation was about. We as a country said, well, it's not true that that's a fundamental right that you have to determine the life and well-being of another human being. But I, I would suggest that Roe v. Wade very much made that the same kind of right as, as with American slavery that a mother has uh, over her child. I also made the point that, it, that Roe v. Wade was based on bad science. Uh, Roe v. Wade posited the idea that the trimesters, the three-month periods of a nine-month pregnancy are each medically different and the condition of the child in the womb is different, so much so that there ought to be differing laws pertaining to each of them. And Roe v. Wade, in the ruling, there was a decision that uh, in, in which the first a child in the first trimester is treated differently from a child at the second trimester, and then in turn is treated differently legally uh, from the child in the third trimester. None of that's justifiable medically. Uh, frankly, it's not justifiable legally either, but it wasn't justifiable medically. Ask your OBGYN, ask your doctor, uh, is trimester the, the main and best division of a pregnancy? And they're going to say no, that they use different standards, that they divide pregnancies according to uh, different lengths of time uh, because of the development of the fetus and what have you, that trimesters are not the main grid by which to 
to make those distinctions. So all of that I talked about last week. Uh, there was another thing I wanted to bring up here at the beginning while we're talking about what was wrong with this law. And, and, and it's not just that I want to hammer the law. I want to show you that because it was bad law, it continues to be of issue in our society. Um, but the other issue is that the woman that this whole case was about, the whole case that ended up before the U.S. Supreme Court, the case called Roe v. Wade, um, was about a woman named Norma McCorvey. I've actually met her. Uh, Norma McCorvey became pregnant. She tried to have an abortion in Texas. Uh, this became a matter of a contested legal fight and ended up before the Supreme Court. Well, the fact is that Norma McCorvey actually gave birth to that child and not that this is relevant, but gave it up for adoption before this case went to the Supreme Court. Now, the reason that's important, I want to say quickly here, by the way, for those listening, I am not a lawyer, so I'm not trying to play lawyer, but this, these are just historical facts. Um, the reason that's important is that a case was being heard on appeal by uh, essentially an, a pleading of law by a woman who no longer had any standing for, ple for, for requesting the case, for making the case, for making the appeal. Standing in law has to do with what is your basis for making a certain claim before the court, for making a certain case before the court. Um, I can't, for example, uh, stand before the court and, uh, and claim that I've been wronged um, let's say in a case in involving Sony Productions here in Nashville, because I have nothing to do with Sony. I can't go to court for Sony. I can't claim damages for Sony. I can't benefit from Sony's uh, having been wronged in some legal case because I have zero to do with Sony. I don't even know anybody who works at Sony. Uh, so I have no standing. You understand what that means? It means that I don't have any basis any proper position before the court for making an appeal, for making a claim, for appearing before the court in that cause. So while I certainly understand Norma McCorvey's original claim, the fact is that by the time this case got before the Supreme Court, she'd already given birth to the child and put it up for adoption. And so therefore she had no standing. She had no longer any position before the court to ask the court to rule. She had no standing. Standing is a legal term. It's not a physical posture. So even, even if the court had ruled wisely and was planning to, even if trimesters were a factor, even if there is um, a right to privacy in the Constitution that uh, covers something even like a pregnancy, and there's not, we, we, we know very well there's not, even the words right to privacy don't appear in the Constitution. Um, the, the fact of the matter is that Norma McCorvey no longer had any standing to appear before the court. So Roe v. Wade was bad law in every direction. And it's not just Stephen Mansfield saying that. Later rulings by the Supreme Court criticized this ruling. It's one of the most criticized rulings in American legal history. Um, again, as I quoted last time, Planned Parenthood v. Casey, 1992, the court criticized the trimester approach. And there have been a number of other parts of that ruling. So that's why people who are pro-abortion are nervous that the Brett Kavanaugh appointment or nomination to the Supreme Court uh, is going to mean the overturning of Roe v. Wade. So let's go to that now. Here, Brett Kavanaugh, who has ruled um, 
his rulings have been tempered, I would say. I don't think it's right to say he's anti-abortion, but he's been tempered in his rulings that pertain to abortion and life and a right to privacy. Uh, People are nervous that he does does actually get on the Supreme Court, that there may be an overturning of Roe. Well, let's hold up here. First of all, there's going to have to be a test case come before the court, and that's hard to come by. Test cases are hard to come by, and Roe v. Wade is is not contested very often these days. Number two, the court's going to have to agree to hear it. And even if you have a majority of conservative justices, as you will have if Brett Kavanaugh is appointed, is actually appointed to the court, it doesn't mean the court's going to hear it. There's another factor here, too, and that is that a lot of the justices will rule based on the eccentricities of the case before it and not on the universal principle of uphold Roe v. Wade or don't. In other words, the uniqueness of the individual case that comes before the court is going to be more of an issue than we think. It's not as though you know, a majority of the Supreme Court justices are sitting there gnashing their teeth and sharpening their knives and preparing to overturn Roe. They're going to wait for a case to come before it. They're going to rule based on the eccentricities and unique features of that case. And so you may not have an overturning. But let's say that we do have an overturning of Roe with Brett Kavanaugh or some other conservative justice on the court. All that's going to mean is not that abortion will be outlawed in America. All that's going to mean is that the issue is going to be rolled back to the states. And at this point, I want to say that for a lot of us who love the American system, for a lot of us who understand what the founding fathers intended, there are issues that ought to be decided by the states. Uh, There are issues that ought to be left to the states to determine. Uh, You don't have to have a one-size-fits-all legal ruling on every issue. Some matters ought to be left to the states. And if there's no federal uh, compelling law that makes a federal guarantee of an abortion, then the fact is that decision ought to be left to the states. Even before Roe v. Wade, a number of states had unrestricted abortion. Hawaii was the first, and it had absolute freedom, so to speak, of abortion, guaranteed right of abortion. Other states had the same thing. This was going on before Roe v. Wade. Had the court refused to hear the case, uh, you would simply have a patchwork of uh, abortion laws in this country, which is the strength of the American system, a federalist system in which states make a great many decisions on their own. So polls show that about half of Americans don't believe uh, that, that Roe v. Wade should be repealed. About a quarter of Americans absolutely believe abortion in any, any case uh, ought not, never be allowed. Uh, about a quarter of Americans believe that allowing abortion is a conditional issue, that it mainly has to do with the uh, life and well-being of the, of the, of the mother. Um, and so it, it's, it's, it's not going to be a democratic process, but it's up in the air. It's up in the air as to whether uh, the court would rule uh, to overturn Roe. And I want to say also, by the way, that at any time it chooses, the U.S. Congress, it'll actually get its stuff together, can choose to take the abortion issue out of the hands of the courts. Uh, I I don't know if if most Americans know that Congress can restrict the range of uh, judicial ruling 
um, uh, it, it can do, restrict the issues on which the court can rule. It can say, for example, that we don't want the courts ruling on railroads. I'm just making this up, of course. We don't want the uh, the court, Supreme Court ruling on uh, maritime law or, or things of that nature. Uh, the Supreme Court, the, the U.S. Congress does have the right to restrict judicial review. So all of that to say there are a lot of options here. It's not automatic. I think you can tell that I believe that abortion is immoral, uh, that it's the taking of a human life, uh, and that it, there, there is no fundamental constitutional guarantee of abortion. Uh, and I would be perfectly willing for the whole issue to roll back the states and the states to decide then what they want, want to choose. Um, what you're not likely to have is a banning of abortion nationwide. What you're not likely to have uh, is a complete eradication of abortion in America. So those on the left, those pro-abortionists who are saying this, who are going out and you know carrying coat hangers and promising that we'll have back alley abortions, that uh, they're they're a bit overheated. We're not likely to have that. At worst, we'll have a rolling back of the issue to the states, which is probably exactly where it ought to be decided. Now, let me tell you why I care about this so much. Uh, I care about abortion on a moral basis. I care about abortion on a Christian basis. I'm a traditional Christian, and therefore I believe that life begins at conception, and therefore the child we're carrying in the womb is an independent moral agent. That's clearly taught in Scripture. That's clearly taught by the church. The early church fathers definitely decried abortion. Uh, There's just no question about it. I, however, uh, was almost aborted, and not because my mother was pregnant out of wedlock, but because my mother had lost a number of babies prior to me. She had a number of, uh, she had some stillbirths um, and some miscarriages. And um, so doctors told her that she was taking a risk by carrying me. They recommended that I be taken in an abortion. This would have been 1957 when they had this conversation. Um, abortion, again, the patchwork of the states, it could, be, it could happen in some cases, especially uh, if it threatened the life of the mother. And my mother chose not to abort me. So I'm aware that I could have been aborted. Uh, and in fact was born, I mean, though my friends will tell you that I'm nuts, uh, I was born a, a completely healthy, normal baby. And I'm very glad my mother made that decision. Now, even if that story was not part of my life, uh, I, I, I'm opposed to abortion based on a moral uh, and religious basis. Um, and that's not because I want to restrict women or, or, or diminish their rights. It's that I believe the child in the womb is a independent moral agent, a human being, the state is compelled, uh, the state has a compelling interest in protecting. So we're about to have a big debate about uh, abortion. We're about to have a big Roe v. Wade fight. We're going to hear a lot about this as Brett Kavanaugh is being confirmed. Uh, We may hear a lot about this and certainly have a lot of uh, ink spilled over the issue as we head perhaps to a test case uh, down the road. But it's important that you know the facts, that Roe v. Wade was bad law, that even if it's overturned, we're only going to roll the matter back to the states. Um, that that Roe v. Wade, when you frame a law badly, when you do as the ancients said, frame a mischief by a, frame mischief by a law, you set up a society to be uh, in tumult. You set up tension. You set up appeals. You set up overturning. Uh, you don't resolve the matter finally. Roe v. Wade did.
did not resolve this matter once and for all. I mean, nobody today is advocating for the return of slavery because we dealt with that once and for all. But Roe v. Wade is such bad law that we did not deal with the abortion issue once and for all. And part of it is that Roe v. Wade's bad law, and part of it is that it ruled against natural law, which I think the majority of people would recognize requires the preservation and protection of life in the womb. So join the great debate. Look forward to what's coming. Coming uh, Important reconsideration uh, of Roe v. Wade is happening, but be informed. Read up on it. Study it. And, and I want to say, too, not that it decides the whole debate, but Norma McCorvey herself, uh, who, was the, who was the woman who uh, first appealed for an abortion, abortion in the state of Texas, uh, later uh, became anti-abortion, later became pro-life. She converted to Roman Catholicism, and she was an outspoken opponent of abortion for the rest of her life. I'm not saying that should decide the issue, but it certainly should tell us something. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times best-selling author, a popular speaker, and a frequent faith and culture commentator on Fox and CNN. His groundbreaking books on faith and society include The Faith of George W. Bush, The Search for God in Guinness, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, and Lincoln's Battle with God. Learn more at stephenmansfield.tv.